Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to the show. I just saw a comment that I got to touch on. Uh, over on Rumble, 2020 Wayne said, has Kyle ever mentioned the intro starting with the sound of a Zippo lighter opening and closing, <laughs> lighting a cigar? That is actually not what it is, but if you want to think that's what it is, I kind of like that. <laughs> um, what that actually is, is much more boring. <laughs> um, when I when I start up the show, I have to start the stream first, and then I have to hit Telegram and start the stream on Telegram. And when I do that, Telegram takes a moment to connect. And when it does connect, there is no mute button. There's an actual volume slider. And that click you hear is me sliding the volume on Telegram all the way to zero. <laughs> so it's much more boring and less clever than um, the sound of a lighter opening and closing. But if if y'all want to pretend that's what it is, because that's a much cooler thing. I like that. <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I should get some kind of soundbite of a, uh, of a lighter like this one right here. I could like have that. That'd be cool. So I had to, I had to touch on that. Cause that's, that was, uh, that made me laugh. All right. Good morning, everyone. This is just human number 137. And we had an awesome rally this past Saturday. Um, it turns out that my the deal that I made with my family that I would take Saturdays off is blowing back on me massively because it means I'm taking off on all these days that Trump is doing rallies. So I'm spending my Sunday catching up on clips from the rally. And it was awesome. That that might have been the best Trump rally. I don't I don't know since when. Um, there are some really cool things with it. I want to touch on a couple cause I feel like a lot of other shows and, uh, folks on telegram and truth have done an outstanding job, uh, covering that rally, but there is something that I want to touch on with it or maybe a couple things. And, uh, we have a very small Mar-a-Lago raid update and a rather large Danchenko update and a couple other things. There is sufficient material in my stack today that I feel like I might do a bonus hour. So, um, not sure yet. We will see. But if I do a bonus hour to the show, it'll be posted on my locals and posted on my Substack. You, you don't have to be a paying member. Everything on there is free, just human.substack.com. And is my locals just human.locals? Yeah, just human.locals.com. Wanted to make sure. Um, so if you'd be interested in a bonus hour, those are the place to get places to go for it. Like I said, you don't have to be a paying member. It's free. And it would be about an hour and would be focused on Durham and Danchenko. Also, if you're interested in a podcast version of the show, just human.substack.com is where you get that. Every, every episode is turned into a podcast with audio only, and you can sign up for that there. And uh, you can use either the Substack app to listen to it, or you can set up the RSS feed to go to your Apple podcast or whatever podcast player you prefer. So hope you all had a great weekend. I had a great one. And let's get to it. I don't want to waste any time. It's Monday. 
I happen to like Mondays. Wait, that's the wrong button. Yeah, this is this is the right button, I think. There we go. I happen to like Mondays. And uh, I'm looking forward to this week. Start off. I would like... Let me make sure this is not muted. Okay, it's not muted. Uh, my friend Absolute Truth... Or actually, he's yeah, absolute truth. Seventeen seventy six. It was absolute seventeen seventy six. He started. He added the truth to it. It's appropriate. He made this cool Batman video, and uh, this is perfect for introing our discussion of the Trump rally because it was held on Constitution Day and Batman Day, and also the seventeenth. President Obama knew about it. Joe Biden knew about it. The whole group, they all knew about it. And we have it documented. We have it in texts. We have it in all sorts of forms. They knew about it. It was a terrible thing. Should have never happened and should never be allowed to happen again to a president. This should never happen again. This was a setup like we've never seen. I think it's a political crime of the century and they've been caught, so let's see what happens. It's happening. pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. I like that video from, uh, from my friend Absolute Truth. You can find Absolute at, at, at Absolute1776 on Truth, and he's also on Telegram. He does great videos. And that one is very appropriate for this rally because of this image right here. This image right here. JC Bird on Rumble. Thank you very much for the coffee. Much appreciated, man. Hope you're doing well. So let's hit let's hit some of this. The rally. So the thing that most people really keyed in on that really made the news was this. That there was this flag without stars. Or by appearance without stars. I've seen a lot of takes on it. I've mostly seen the same one or two takes on it repeated over and over and over again without 
any sauce. Um, I've seen the claim that a flag like this means is a military thing and it means that you show it to your enemy because they're facing annihilation, but I've seen no sauce on that claim. I've just seen it posted and the same take posted over and over and over and over again. Um, I've seen this going around, which is not accurate. It's from an, it's from something called alternate history of the United States. Um, so it's not like it's fiction. It's not a real thing. Um, like the website is literally called alternate history of the United States. Ah, I didn't. There we go. Sorry about that. So this is the take that I've seen going around everywhere. As a communication specialist in the Marines, this flag was taught to us, and it means no deals. If the enemy is captured after it's flown, death is the only condition. I have found no sauce on that. I've seen it posted over and over, but I've I've seen no sauce. Um, I looked at the U.S. code for flags. It doesn't mention, unless I missed it, I didn't see anything in here about a flag like this or about a meaning being assigned to it. Nothing at all. Although I did notice that as far as uh, Cornell Law still has, and I guess as far as the U.S. Code still has, it still says 48 stars instead of 50. Um, I've also seen the second most common take I've seen going around probably... Second most common is this from the U.S. Code, which is any rule or custom pertaining to the display of the flag of the United States of America set forth herein may be altered, modified, or repealed, or additional rules with respect thereto may be prescribed by the commander-in-chief whenever he deems it appropriate or desirable, and any such alteration or additional rules shall be set forth in proclamation. And people are saying, ah, this is, uh, this is what it is. Trump is still president, so he gets to modify the flag. Um, but that's not what this says. This is pertaining to the display of the flag, not pertaining to the flag itself and what is on it or off of it. So that doesn't fit. Yeah, Zayas, that's right. It It is from 1947, this right here. Um, I'm just saying, like, this hasn't... I don't know why... It's not updated to, but whatever, it's not, it's inconsequential. So I looked at that and then I saw the take. And in fact, did I, did I grab this? I think Karma, I'm pretty sure Karma shared this. Let me see. I know Karma shared it in my Telegram chat. Um, here we go. So Cat the Great and Karma Patriot came up with this, connecting to drop 2403, because in drop 2403, there's this flag right here. It says, be the difference and vote. All right. Decent possibility, okay? Decent possibility. The other two, I dismiss. The the military thing that it means no surrender or no deals or whatever, I, I have no, I've found no sauce on that. That the president can modify it at any time, take stars on or off. That doesn't, that's not what the U.S. code says. 
Um, drop 2403, I think, is a decent bet. Okay, I think that's a decent explanation. But it's not, I don't find it to be compelling enough, I guess. And a lot of people have worked this to death over the weekend. Uh, it was like one of the number one, if not the number one story coming out. I mean, amongst our community, amongst about, about this rally was all this focus on this flag. And I liked this meme that the Kate Awakening shared because I think this is what is going on. I, my, my number one hypothesis here is that Trump and the Q team are living this meme right now because they got the lighting a bit wrong. And I know that that's, that's maybe hard to believe. No, they never mess up. No, they're perfect. They know exactly what they're doing. Everything has meaning. Right. But even in the drops, there are times where there are misspellings and they say, yep, yeah, that was a misspelling. Uh, and then it's several times that they admitted in the drops, Hey, we made a mistake here. Don't, don't dig on this or don't put any meaning to this right here. It was a typo or whatever. Mistakes do happen. I think this explanation makes the most sense that this flag was backlit. And as he's walking, you'll see right here in this clip that he's walking out and he's cheering and clapping and all that. But then he's going to walk back in there. Where does it go? Oh, wait, this is the beginning of it. See, he walks out and he's in the shadow right here. Okay. The flag is backlit enough so that this is how he appears. And then there's lighting in front and there's like this canopy thing he's walking through. This is purpose. I mean, this is, this reminds me honestly of a WWE walkout. Uh, like, you know, it's showmanship. It's amazing showmanship. Um, as he's walking out and it reminds me of this right here. And we saw this back on September 1st when Dan Scavino posted this image, which I think is badass. Trump with this heavy shadow against this backlit flag and his hand right here is just emerging into the light. Okay. This is, I don't want to like theater. It's theater. It's a promotion. It's a promotion. Like he's a, uh, um, like, I don't know if it's, you should say returning to stage or whatever. Um, but Trump is definitely picking up the pace and picking up his, uh, the, he's amplifying his presence right now ahead of the midterms. And he's, he's on a big, he's campaigning. He's, he's very much campaigning I, on the, on the Patel Patriots, uh, power hour, um, with Chris Paul and burning bright this past Saturday. I caught about half of it and Patel asked them, why do you think Trump is doing these rallies? And I couldn't answer because I wasn't on the show, of course, but my answer, the first thing that came to my mind that he was doing was that he is, he is the, uh, he should be president right now. And he is making sure his pres, his presence as president is still here for our nation. He was chosen by our nation to be our leader. 
and he's making sure that he is our leader, whether he's actually in the White House or not. He's making sure he is there and available, and he is being a constant presence for our nation, being a leader, even though he's not the not even though he's not in the White House. He is being a leader, and he's pushing an agenda, and he's pushing goals, and he's seeding narratives. And I agree with all the takes that those guys had on the show. Um, but to me, I think he's filling a vacuum. Um, he is, he is, um, I like, I like the, um, government in exile theory that slag came up with. And it also fits with that, that if we, if there is some sort of government in exile scenario going on here, which I know not everybody agrees with, but I still, I still think there is, um, or I'm at least very, very warm to it. I think there's a hybrid of cog and government and exile happening here. That's one of the that's one of the things you have to do in a government in exile is you have to maintain leadership and presence um, to guide the nation. And I think that's part of what he's doing here. And I think the explanation that this is simply this camera, this camera from RSBN, I believe it is, that is facing right here. The camera is not the human eye. The human eye is amazing. And I would be interested to know if any of these people that are right here, whether their eye perceived this flag to have no stars. Because it looks to me like there are stars. You can see the, sti the stitching right here. You can see that there is something where the stars should be. And I think it's as simple as... This camera has all the light from the sta from the uh, the stadium auditorium right there in front of it, and then there's this shadowed area because of this uh, canopy, this this overhang, whatever it is, this entrance walkway thing. Um, that's right here to provide the shadow on Trump, and then the flag behind him is backlit. I think these stars on it are either white or they're silver, and it's this kind of effect that is happening. They're either white or silver, and I think that the stitching on this flag, which is obviously cloth, I think that it's a very heavy flag. This is all blue. This is a whole blue panel, and the stars are stitched on, and the stars are probably stitched on with a layer on each side, and the light's not coming through. It's just the type of flag that it is. The light's not coming through. But I bet if you're one of these people standing close to it, like these guys are, or these guys, or some of the audience members that are right here, I bet they can see the stars. It's just this camera that's that far away in the media pen is struggling to adapt to all of this different light, and it's it's not picking these the light reflecting off these stars. And I've seen a couple camera shots where it did. Um... I was actually having trouble with Twitter a while ago as I was searching this because it kept trying to give me Nazi flags. They're very much manipulating the results if you search for this. Um, but yeah, that's my opinion on it, guys. I know that, like, I think, I think it's totally fine to dig on this and like, is there some kind of, like, oh, there it is. There it is right there by his head. Let me uh, move this back. Boom. 
right there. See that? You can see some whitish silver right there on that star. Now, I'm not saying there's no meaning to it, but I would really like to see other cameras and what they perceived. There's a ton of people in this front row and I would, or in these rows right here facing the same way this camera is. I would like to see their cell phones and I would like to hear what they say about this flag. I'm betting that it had stars on it and they could see it. It's just a trick of the lighting and the, this camera from RSBN is struggling to adapt to that. Um, so that's just my take on it. And I'm sure lots of people disagree. Um, but that's, that's cool. I, I just, I think it's one of these things where Anon's going to Anon and, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I like, I think this is the effect they're going for. I think this is an, the effect that they're going for. So, but what's most meaningful about this rally to me was this. I, I think this, this is what's most meaningful to me is Trump playing the, where we go one, we go all song and the audience having their finger in the air, which the are the mainstream media is trying to portray as being a Zeke Heil type thing. Screw them. That's all they got, guys. I mean, that's that's all they got. When when the only thing the only thing they can say against us is trying to accuse us of being Nazis, and they can't they can't challenge us on any of the substance. They can't. They fear this. They fear they fear this unity. And so all they can do is is lie about us and do do personal attacks and um, fabricate uh, all sorts of stories about Nazi flags being sold at the rally and embraced by Trump. This is all they got. This is all that's all they got against us. But look what we have. I mean, we have stadiums full of people turning out in a midterm to support a president who supposedly lost by millions of votes. And is 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 as being as overt pro Q as he's ever been. Um, I thought this was the most beautiful thing. Is is the audience holding up? Number one, and it's kind of it's really neat to me. Like just personally as a sports fan, as a motorsports fan, because in um in Formula One it's been pretty popular for several different champions, especially Sebastian Vettel, who's a four-time champion. He used to always hold up the number one and meaning that he was number one or his team was number one. And so it was like different. It was different than this. It had a meaning of we're the best, we're the champions, we're number one. But to see a whole crowd do it was like, it's like a totally different feel. It's, it's like we're the like we are the champions. Like we are all in this together. Where we go one, we go all. And it's so much greater than what has traditionally been used in sports when you see a, a sports figure hold up number one because they're usually saying I'm the best and they're trying to make themselves stand apart. But like this, it doesn't have that feel. 
It doesn't have the feel of like our team is the best. It has that, it has this, this feel of being all about unity and, and the community of Patriots. So I like, that's, what's really struck me about it is um, how different it is from the sports world. Um, like it doesn't feel like a team thing. It feels like a patriotism thing. So yeah, I, that was my favorite thing. Here, let me see. I want to make sure this is not too loud. It would yeah, it's not. have happened with me as your commander in chief. And for four long years, it didn't happen. And China with Taiwan is next. We are a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never, ever before. We've got a federal bureau of investigation that won't allow bad election-changing facts to be presented to the public, where Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation when they knew it wasn't, and a Department of Justice that refuses to investigate egregious acts of voting irregularities and fraud. And we yeah, so um, he just mentioned Taiwan and uh, China. We'll get to that. So just to just to recap on the flag thing, I think it's a nothing burger. I think it's just a simple lighting issue and the camera being far away. If we see more angles of it, I'll change my mind. If it's if it does have meaning, I think it's dropped twenty four oh three. So that's where I'm at on it. And let me wrap that up. Close these, close these. Okay. Since Trump just mentioned China, let's jump real quick to this short segment about Biden. One, Biden decided to declare that it's that the, uh, the pandemic's over, which is not what you would think his party would want to do. <laughs> uh, hilarious that <laughs> hilarious that um he's declaring the pandemic over uh but he did but he also said this that american troops would defend taiwan and this is the third time he's gone contrary to what his administration's what should, policy is what should chinese president xi know about your commitment to taiwan we agree with what we signed on to a long time ago and that there's a one China policy and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging their being independent. We're not, let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. What should Chinese... Okay, this is the third time he's contradicted um, his administration on this. And it's not the only contradiction when it comes to Taiwan. His administration... The, the, Biden has kept in place 
everything that Trump had in place with respect to Taiwan and China, more or less, or he's expanded it. He sold them more weapons, more aircraft. Our, our troops continue to train Taiwanese troops. Um, we sold them nuclear sub technology and blacklisted, he blacklisted more Chinese companies than Trump did. He expanded the red list of Chinese companies. Chinese telecom companies are now banned in the U.S. by the FEC. I keep saying that Biden is the worst bet that China ever made. And it's true. They're not getting any wins out of him. And here's another instance where Biden's like, nah, we're going to defend Taiwan, even though his administration is like, no, 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 that's not the policy of the United States. Something's up with this, and it's not as simple as, oh, he's just delusional and senile and whatnot. I don't, I don't believe that. There's way because the actions by this administration don't match the words that their spokespeople are coming out with, and Biden is. I think he's being. I don't know if I, he's being sincere because I can't picture U.S. troops actually like going over there and like fighting China. But if China were to attack the U.S., I mean, if China were to attack Taiwan right now, well, we have U.S. forces in Taiwan right now. So our U.S. forces are going to defend themselves. But this contradiction keeps coming up with regard to Taiwan and in regard to China, um, I know that we're supposed to continue the the conservative incorporated narrative that he's a puppet of China and uh, he's Beijing Biden. But my argument is that he was Beijing Biden and then he got he got taken care of. There's a nice McLaren over there. Squirrel. Um his strings got cut. Sammy the Squirrel, that's right. We've had four carrier battle groups near Taiwan, or at least in the Western Pacific, since right before he took office. And they've maintained cycling in and out of that area. It's He was absolutely a puppet of China. He was. But his strings have been cut. President first. And this these sorts of contradictions reveal... To me, to me, these sorts of contradictions reveal the uh, the battle that's going on within his administration, where he's boxed in. I think there is a continuity of government in place that restricts what he can and cannot do. And then other members of his administration, such as spokespeople and apparatchiks of the DNC and of the deep state, are struggling to get done what they want to get done, and they're trying to stay on message. They're trying to push their own narratives, but they they're they're going against. Like it's revealing the contradiction. It's revealing that they don't have as much control as they should. Uh, just something else where you're like, what in the world is going on here? And I, I'm also of the opinion that. The people in his administration don't have the best intel. 
they I don't think they're in the loop of of Intel. I think that the combatant commanders and other members of the continuity of government team, they have the latest, most up-to-date Intel, and they only share with this administration on a need-to-know basis. And that contributes to this mixed messaging that is coming out of this administration um, and mixed actions. Now, I know that Trump has been saying for a while that Taiwan's next and that China is going to invade Taiwan. I'm of the opinion that won't happen, and I always have been. I, I think that what will happen is that China will possibly aggress towards Taiwan and that the new Indo-Pacific alliance of Australia, India, Japan, South Korea, I think those other nations are going to back China off of that aggression. And as they do that, it's going to make Biden look even more weak on the world stage. I think there's going to be a narrative buildup of, oh, no, here we go again. This is Afghanistan 2.0. The the U.S. is weak. Biden is weak on the world stage. He's not respected. Um, he's a puppet of Beijing. They're going to he's just going to give them Taiwan. I think all those narratives are going to build up and it's going to be great. It's going to be very entertaining. And then I think it, towards the last moment, I think that Taiwan's neighbors are going to step in and they're going to back China down and it's going to be a major embarrassment for Biden. And also Taiwan's going to end up being protected. Now I've seen all the talk about there being bio labs in Taiwan. There are, and there being lots of human trafficking in Taiwan. There is. But there are biolabs everywhere, and there's human trafficking everywhere. So, well, more or less, anyway. So, I don't think just because those two things exist in Taiwan, it's a given that it's about to get the same treatment that Ukraine got from Russia. It could happen, but I really don't think so. See, this is the thing: like, in order for, in order for China to actually invade Taiwan, the U.S. needs to pull its troops out. If the U.S. pulls its troops out and we move our assets away from Taiwan, then, okay, we might see real kinetic aggression. But as long as our aircraft carrier groups are in that area. And as long as we're operating all sorts of ISR aircraft out of Japan, and we have troops training Taiwanese troops in Taiwan, China's not going to attack. It's, I mean, it's really, it's really as simple as that. They're not, there's not going to be an invasion of Taiwan until the U S moves its out assets out of Taiwan. And I don't see that happening. If Biden was, here's another way to say it. If Biden was still a puppet of Beijing, he would have already moved all of our troops. And if he was commander in chief, actual commander in chief with real commander in chief powers, he would have already moved our troops out of Taiwan and our carriers away from Taiwan. And he wouldn't have sold them more F-16s and he wouldn't have sold them nuclear sub technology and he wouldn't have promoted the Australian nuclear sub deal. And he wouldn't have our, our fleets over there 
constantly going through the Taiwan Strait. We wouldn't be flying ISR craft all the time in that area. Uh, when the USS Connecticut incident happened, we wouldn't have ignored Chinese calls for information. Biden would have demand would have had the whole story out there and would have apologized profusely to China for a U.S. sub being so close uh, to their operations. And I mean, it, we would have seen completely different behavior from what we're seeing. Okay. Sammy the Squirrel, thank you very much for the cigar money. I appreciate it. I went and bought a couple cigars yesterday. I did, I did. Some La Gloria Cubana. Looking forward to them, although I, I have them in this bag. I shouldn't. I should have I need to put them in my uh my little humidor and get their humidity right because the store is a little dry. Okay, Karma Patriot says, but for some reason, Trump wants us to think that China is going to invade Taiwan. On Saturday night, he stated exactly China attacking Taiwan will be next. So what's the narrative? That's the narrative Trump wants. You're right. I think it is the narrative Trump wants because it's going to build up to Biden looking weak again, just like I, I just kind of spelled out that... Um, this is going to be the next international crisis that Biden is a, uh, I don't want to say deals with <laughs> is a, is, um, the dam that he's going to take damage from the next, the next major international incident that's going to happen that Biden's going to take ma massive damage from is probably going to have to do with Taiwan. And I think that's why he's pushing that. And the normies all think that Biden is, is still under the control of China. So Yeah. All right, I want to hit on something that I talked about last week as far as Mike Lindell. Emerald Robinson, who is really good, but also very black-pilled, and it's sad to see. Um, and it makes consuming her content very difficult. You have to put a real filter on. But she was able to get hold of the grand jury subpoena that Mike Lindell got. So this adds some clarity and some information to what is going on with Mike Lindell. It's from USDOJ, Cole Finnegan, United States Attorney, District of Colorado, Criminal Division of the Grand Junction Office. Okay. Dear subpoena recipient, an official criminal investigation of a suspected felony is being conducted by an agency of the United States and a federal grand jury in the District of Colorado. As a subpoena recipient, you are not under an obligation of secrecy. However, we request that you not disclose the existence of this subpoena for an indefinite period of time. Although the law does not require non-disclosure unless a court order is issued, we believe that the impact of any disclosure could be detrimental to our investigation. If you do not believe that you can comply with this request, please notify the undersigned United States attorney before you disclose the existence of the subpoena. I don't know if he did that, but this is the subpoena to Mike Lindell. It's from a federal grand jury. A felony is being investigated. Mike is not under investigation, it seems. 
This is he the subpoena is to testify by providing documents and objects, which would be what was his on his phone or his phone. Um here it is right here. And it says it doesn't it says like person, documents, objects. It says documents, objects is what's checked. And then the date given is for November 3rd, 2022 at 8 a.m. So I'm a bit confused about that. Like it, the person box isn't checked. So does Mike have to submit something by that date perhaps? Um, not exactly positive because I can't see the whole thing, but it refers to on this part, it seems to indicate that it's, uh, has to do with Tina Peters case in Colorado. And the news is saying that the FBI is quote, gathering evidence related to three potential crimes in Mesa County, Colorado, identity theft, intentional damage to a protected computer and or conspiracy to commit either. Let's see, this is search and seizure warrant. This is your command to execute this warrant on or before September 21st. And this is the one for where Mike got his cell phone taken, I believe. So And then Emerald Robinson puts all of her black-pilled sensationalism uh, in between all this. So that's what's going on with Mike Lindell is it's related to a felony grand jury. If the media reporting is correct that what they're investigating with this grand jury is evidence related to three potential crimes, identity theft, intentional damage to a protected computer, and or conspiracy to commit either... Um, I'm not sure that necessarily means that it's Tina Peters that is the target. It could be though. Um, it also could be that this has to do with a break-in by someone else or a break-in into these computers that we're not aware of. It reminds, it makes me think back to a year ago at the cyber symposium, how that cyber symposium was, there were a lot of bad actors trying to infiltrate it. And there were ISR birds doing patterns over the cyber symposium. ISR birds are intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. And the ones doing it, if I recall correctly, were ones that usually work for DOJ. And I don't think they were doing that because they were targeting Mike Lindell for hosting an event. I think they were doing that because there were bad actors who were trying to infiltrate that event and share mystics and malinfo. And if you remember back to that, a lot of people were reporting all sorts of communicate, all sorts of problems with their cell phones and, uh, the event got hacked. They had all sorts of, of problems. So I'm, I'm neutral on this right now until we get more information. It's interesting that it's federal because 
I thought I understood that Tina Peters' case in Colorado was state. I thought I understood that she had something going on as far as um, a, a being investigated for a violation of state law. I know she was under investigation for bringing an electronic device. I think she brought her iPad into a courtroom and I mean, she just, she screwed up. She shouldn't have done that. So I'm interested that I'm, in, I'm interested to see what else comes of this. Yeah. Mama, mama Jedi galaxy says, what about the guy who deleted the voting records in Colorado? I mean, that could be, um, I really think Mike Lindell, you know, Mike Lindell being at the center of all of this stuff, as far as election concerns, he's the, he, there's going to be a lot of people who are not good actors who are going to be contacting him and trying to give him flawed data, stolen data, trying to involve him in conspiracies to uh, do all sorts of things. You know, like I've talked about before, the, the fake MAGA and the rhinos, they're involved in this election theft just like the left is and the Democrats, right? So, you know, if I was a rhino, if I was a fake MAGA person and I knew about this, the election fraud that was committed by the right, quote unquote, deep state rhinos, one way you could corrupt any investigation, any uncovering, any exposure of the involvement of rhinos is to feed mistis and malinfo to someone like Mike Lindell and get him chasing the wrong things, get him occupied with stuff that wastes his time, or just get him in trouble. Give him stuff that, try and involve him in something that's actually going to get him investigated and shut down or scared off, etc. So I'm always wary of those types of things going on, and that means that Mike Lindell, being the smart cookie that he is, and I think he's very intelligent, I think that he might have just received those text messages or those emails or those documents and said, oh, yeah, that's very interesting. I'll think about it. And uh, this might be a handoff. So anyway, we got that information and uh, that's what I have on that. I wish him the best. Some people were a little bit offended last week by me talking about Mike Lindell and what I thought about him uh, embellishing his story about the FBI. I meant no offense. I meant no offense at all. I like Mike Lindell a lot. All right. Mar-a-Lago Raid Update. That document we looked at that was from the Treasury Department turns out to be a phony document. I still don't fully understand the story behind it, but lots of people tagged me in this news from various accounts, Associated Press and all these other, that this is a, a fabricated document that was filed and uh, it's motion to intervene by the US Department of Justice. Uh, they were able to file it, but the whole thing is fake, is what the story is. The filing included two alleged warrants, but they were identical to papers filed from an inmate 
at North Carolina Prison Medical Center in federal court case in Georgia. The case was tossed similar to the similar lawsuits filtered by an incarcerated man. We dug into this in my Telegram chat and we were just like, what is going on with this guy? This this stuff is nuts. The filing was nuts. It was. Uh, the guy was clearly ins- he's, he was forced to be committed, I believe, um, if I remember correctly. But we could never figure out why it had been filed in the Mar-a-Lago search warrant case. And I have a hard time. Well, I don't have a hard time. Wait, not that's not the one I want. I need the uh grab let me grab the actual case. It's this one. Yes. So here it is right here. It's docket entry number 128. This gives me flashbacks or deja vu or something of when in the Sussman case, there was a filing mistakenly entered in that docket that said that Michael Sussman had pled guilty to a different crime way back in August of 2021. I believe it was. And I ran with it and Brian Cates ran with it and Dawson ran with it. Like, holy crap, they got Sussman on some other federal crime. And then it turned out it was completely erroneous and the names were changed in it and it should have been having to do with the J6 prisoner. But the clerk was the clerk in the same district court and she filed that in the Sussman case instead of in the case it went to. The problem was all the names in it were changed to match the Sussman case. So it's like, how do you, I understand how you misfile a document, you know, like if the clerk is sitting there and she's got the doc, the, the doc, the software pulled up where she's typing in the info and she had the wrong docket pulled up. And so she put that file in there like, oops, I get that. But how do you change all the names? What makes you change the names on it? It's just like, hmm hell of a coincidence and then that's what this reminds me of <laughs> mermaid miss k says yeah accidentally on purpose this <laughs> is like and i'm not alleging that michael sussman actually did plead guilty to something that we're not aware of i mean maybe he did but this is weird man and then this happening in this one it's weird and it has to do with trump tax records and other securities or whatever. It's just weird, man. I don't know what to make of it, but we did cover on this show. This is the update on it, that it's a total fabrication by this guy. How it wound up on the Mar-a-Lago search warrant case. I don't know. Now, more importantly, we've got our first action by the special master who was appointed and all right, just checking something. Okay. We have our first action by the special master judge dreary or deary. And he has ordered the council for president Trump and for DOJ to appear in his courtroom in Brooklyn on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 PM. So that's tomorrow. And they're supposed to bring their proposed agenda items. 
for discussion and uh yeah that's going to be the, that's the first move so tomorrow these council members are going to meet and talk to the special master for the first time and we'll see where it goes from there I, of course, am excited about it. <laughs> okay, 1025. Before I go to Danchenko, I want to uh, hit this CIA thing. So I noticed... I noticed that the NSA wished the CIA happy birthday yesterday. And let me grab there. Here it is right here. Happy birthday, CIA, celebrating 75 years. 75 years of human, human intelligence. And then they replied to themselves with this. A picture of dinosaurs. Well, a drawing of dinosaurs, not a picture. You may be older, dot, 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 but are you wiser? It must be hard being this old. Happy birthday, CIA. And I saw this and was like, whoa. That seems like a major troll. And I told someone that, you know, if someone said to me, like, if they're a friend, if you know them and you're on a friendly, friendly terms and you say, you may be older, but are you wiser? You know, it, it's a friendly jab, but the CIA and NSA are not friendly. So when you're not friendly and someone says this, it's definitely an insult. And I, and I commented, I, I may be reading too much into this, but I think it's a pretty serious troll. And I saw that most people agree with me. And I looked back on the NSA site uh, or on their, their Twitter and they had also wished it's the same. It's also the 75th birthday of the U S air force same day. And they didn't troll the air force. They didn't say anything about the air force being old or ancient or anything like that. They just posted a badass picture of some F 35s. So I'm pretty well convinced this was a major troll. And I know that I'm pretty sure y'all are too. And while the timestamp didn't, the timestamp didn't point to anything directly that I, that I discerned drop 129 tells a story, closing act dismantled, impossible to clean operations moved to no such agency. A couple of the things that happened while uh, Trump was president. A couple of things that happened while Trump was president are that um, he took away some very important things for the CIA. One of them being it, the CIA can no longer use DOD resources for their operations. That was a major blow to CIA operations because they used to be able to 
use DOD planes and personnel and, you know, work with DOD in that way. And note they can't anymore. And then also because of the Doha agreement, they took away their money laundering operation in Afghanistan. So all the money they were making in Afghanistan for their, their, their black ops, their hidden budget stuff, they lost it. And then in Ukraine lost that too. Good stuff. Making the CIA weaker and weaker, less capable. Good stuff. And I'm of the opinion that Pompeo did great work there. And I think, I think Pompeo was put into the CIA with a purpose of cleaning certain things up there. And then he was moved to state department, which CIA and state department are like this. He was moved to state department to continue cleaning things out, cleaning things out of the state department that were connected to the CIA. Um, and I think those, those things happening partially explain all the trouble that the Biden administration is having as far as their state department. Uh, they, they can't help but stumble over themselves and they're not taken seriously. So, um, yeah, that's right. Joe Lang, he cut the strings on North Korea as well. So not say, I'm not saying the CIA is clean. Please don't think that. I'm just saying that I think that Pompeo did good work there. And uh, he had, I think, just like Trump did with other personnel's administration, he, um, Trump put people in positions to do jobs they needed, he needed them to do. So NSA trolling CIA hard, you love to see it. Okay, that leaves us with Danchenko. There's been several filings. Well, no, there's been two major ones. You may recall, let me go ahead and bring this up to refresh. You may recall that last Friday we looked at the trial exhibits that Danchenko had uh filed objections to. There were a couple things in that pick out before we go to the new filing. Cody Ave or Cody, I don't know. I don't know how he says his name. Cody Ave, Cody Ave, I don't know. But great follow on Twitter. And he noticed that Danchenko was discussing million in emails as far back as May 2016. Which is a year. A year before the, these meetings supposedly took place, which they didn't take place. And see this from the Spygate Project, June 25th. 2016 emails between Frank about Frank Abernathy, Sergey Million, and Michael Morgulis. Morgulis.
Now, the reason he wants to object to it is under Sixth Amendment, which is provides that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to be confronted with the witnesses against him. The right of confrontation includes the right of military access, military accused to cross-examine adverse witnesses. Um, the problem is that it doesn't seem that Sergey Million is going to appear at this trial. In fact, I saw a report that Sergey Million was in China right now. But I went back and tried to find it again, and I lost it. So if anybody is sure of that, I, I'd really like to know. I couldn't... I may have been mistaken, and they were talking about Sergey Million being in China at the time of something else, but I saw some back and forth between some of these Twitter researchers, and I thought they said that Sergey Million was in China right now. I know I saw that Sergey Million refused FBI protection, and he wanted U.S. Marshals to protect him instead. Let me see if I... Happen to have it right here. Yeah, Ser Sergey wanted U.S. Marshals instead. I wanted to see, where where is it? We've learned that Sergey has more than one name that he's gone by. This guy Marshall Cohen um, at CNN, probably a CIA um, plant by the way, uh, it says witnesses, Sergey million, enigmatic Belarusian American businessman with some loose ties to Trump. It's wild that Durham wanted to use him as a witness in the first place. The Senate Intel report said million is likely a Russian spy or asset. He denies it. See, Sergey million is known by Sergey million, Sergio million, Sergey Kukuts and Sarhey Kukuts. So four names. I'm not sure. I saw some conversation in a thread that Sergey Million was not in the U.S. right now. And if that is true, that he has fled the U.S. right before the Danchenko trial, I mean, to, in my opinion, it doesn't make Sergey look too good. Um... I've always thought that Sergey was an innocent man in all of this and was used and was a victim of the media and of Steele and Danchenko. But this is the moment where he's getting, where the record's being corrected by Durham in this court case. And Danchenko is responsible for Sergey Million being, being blamed. And now I'm like, why did you leave? Why are you not test why are you not going to come testify for Durham? 
I just doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me and it makes me think, hmm, maybe there's a little bit more to Sergey Million than most of us have believed during this time. And seeing that his name came up in an email a year before, maybe the reason he was being discussed a year before is because he was familiar to them and there is some truth to that Senate report um, that I just got rid of. Maybe there is some truth to the belief by the House investigation, I believe it was, that right here. The committee notes that much about Sergey Million resembles activities by a Russian intelligence officer or co-optee. In, me, in attempting to interview Million, the committee found that his organization, the RACC, has several listed addresses but no apparent actual offices. Million also has four names. Further, Million publicly professed his non-involvement in the 26th campaign, then departed the United States for China. So he went to China then. I don't know if he's back from China. That's the thing. Is I saw people saying, no, he's not going to appear. And I, if he's still in China... I just, I, it doesn't look, it doesn't look good for him. So, it's a note. It's an on our conspiracy theory uh, corkboard. It's a note of interest. Zias the ape says he has five names. Well, there are four names listed in the committee report right there, but maybe he does have five. I'm. You know, I'm starting to think maybe he, maybe he is a, a Russian asset or co-optee as the, the House committee found or said was possible. And he doesn't want to come back to the U.S. because he also was under investigation and, hmm. It's interesting. Okay, we have this filing by John Durham. Let's see, it's 1040. Yeah, we got time. We got time for this. Here, let me um Yeah, let's take a couple minutes break. We'll take a short intermission. And when I come back, I'm going to read this filing by John Durham and, uh, and discuss it. And then I'm definitely going to have enough left over for a, a bonus hour. So we're going to do this. We're going to do John Durham's filing now. That's not the music I want. We're going to do this filing right now by John Durham. Or we're going to do it after the intermission. And then I will do a bonus hour that includes uh, Danchenko's reply to it. On just a moment. Okay. Intermission, be back in about three to five minutes.
This music was a bit too chill, huh? It said it was music for work, but it was pretty chill. Uh, that is Bloom, B-L-U-M-E, on YouTube, which is a pretty good channel. I listen to that. I listen to this uh, channel occasionally when I'm writing or researching. But I found I found the uh, I found the chill one, didn't I? <laughs> but I do like it. All right, y'all got to wake back up. <laughs> we got Durham stuff to talk about. So thank you all for being here. I um, I need a little candy, a little bit of honey candy that Mo Benson sent me. It's so freaking good. Um, all right, so thank you all for watching on DLive, Rumble, Pilled, Twitch, Telegram. Appreciate y'all. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to uh, hit that plus button or the thumbs up over on Rumble. Hit a red pill on uh, on Foxhole. If you're interested in getting more content from me, then follow me uh, at, at Just Human on True Social and sign up for my Substack, justhuman.substack.com. That is where I will put the bonus hour. I'll also put it on my locals justhuman.locals.com and the bonus hour I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I can do it tonight I would prefer to do it tonight and yeah I think I can do about one hour it might be one and a half hours uh, but it's a, it's a pre-recorded uh, what I'll do is I'll record it and then I'll upload it to locals and to my Substack. And I'll also put out an audio version of it, just like I do an audio version of this show. And it's going to be on more Durham stuff. There's there's quite a bit. This uh, this onion is starting... We're starting to peel back more layers of this onion. And uh, it's really got me thinking. I found some more stuff last night. I didn't fall... I had a hard time falling asleep last night. Um, I was thinking very much about some of this, this new Durham... This new information that's coming out in this filing. So let's get to that. Let's get to that. That's the wrong button. This is the right button. Okay, so this is what we just looked at. The had the itemized list of, of uh, stuff that's being objected to. And then Igor Danchenko made a filing that is that goes along with it. And it's his opposition to the motions in Lemonade. And that's what we're going to read. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're going to read now. And then we have Durham. Yeah. So this next file, I think I said those backwards. What we're going to read now is going to be Danchenko's filing. So keep in mind, this is Igor Danchenko's attorney, who is also the same attorney that was, or law firm that was uh, paid for by Hillary Clinton in the Sussman case, by the way. Writing on behalf of Danchenko. Oh yeah, one one more thing. Um, and this won't be the last time I say this, but it's something that's good to uh, keep in mind. I I try to approach Spygate and everything that Durham's investigating. 
with as fresh of eyes as I can. Now, I include that modifier there, that, that qualifier. Yeah, as I can, because you have, you have your own biases that are very difficult to get over and your own impressions of all these players and who they are and what they did. But I try to approach it with as fresh of a view and as fresh of eyes as I can. Because in the end, what counts most are not our theories or the speculations or the news articles and all those things. What matters most and what actually counts for the most is what Durham puts to paper in these filings and presents a court of law. That's the end-all be-all, in my opinion. And so all of these players to me, all of these people, all these entities, while I have my own ideas and hypothesis about who they are and what they did and why they did it, I'm willing to adjust those and reconsider and alter my perspective and my hypotheses on them, given what is revealed in these filings. And so that is my approach, even as far as people like Peter Strzok or James Comey or Danchenko or any other player. I have my own ideas about who they are and what they did and uh, didn't do and who they were working for or weren't or working against. And all of that. I have my own hypotheses about all these people, but I don't know as much as I have beliefs about them. It's the filings that Durham makes and the evidence that he introduces that change things from believing to knowing, to having fact-based knowledge. And so I'm like, as I go through these filings and as I take in this information, that's how I approach it. And I would occur, I would encourage y'all to approach it that same way, or at least having that same open-mindedness as much as possible about each of these individuals and these events, because there's been a lot of pre-programming, a lot of narrative warfare that has happened over the past six years from MSM and Con Inc. And lots of people have tried to tell you who was who and what they did or didn't do and who they were working for and why they're bad or why they're good and what these things mean and what their motives were. There's been multiple investigations, but now we're finding out factual information. And in these court filings that are leading up to Danchenko's trial, we're getting so much insight that we didn't have before. No one knew that Danchenko was paid as an informant. And that, that is huge. And if you can let go of your biases, if you can let go of what you were, the beliefs you came into this with, and just consider that with a fresh view, it'll, it'll make it that much easier to consider the possibilities of what that might mean rather than have a reactionary take of, oh, FBI bad, they paid him to lie to them. And then they tried to hide him away with CHS status. That may be true. I don't think it is. But most of the people I've found that have that perspective 
that's based on a negative viewpoint that they started out with. So anyway, just that's how I approach this. And I have, I, I have my own ideas about who's bad, who's good and what, what they did, but this is where we really find out. Hey, Arnie on Arnie 1219 over on rumble. Thank you very much for the rant. Much appreciated. And thank you guys for the subs and for the coffees and all the ways that you support the show. All right, let's dig into this. It's a long filing and I'll try to skip some of the, the superfluous stuff. Keep in mind, this is Igor's attorney writing on behalf of him. Okay. Defendant Igor Danchenko, by and through his counsel, respectfully submits this opposition in the special counsel's motion in limine. Here from here on, it's SCO motion to one, admit certain facts and statements as direct evidence or alternatively pursuant to federal rule of evidence 404B. 404B is other crimes and misdemeanors and things that point to the, uh, the person, things about them, their behavior, things like that. Admit certain emails and statements. Admit evidence of FBI's prior counterintelligence investigation of Danchenko. That'd be the investigation he was under in 2010, 2011 timeframe. And exclude evidence and preclude argument concerning allegations of political bias underpinning the indictment in this matter. Introduction. The indictment in this case, at best, is a misguided attempt to contort the false statement statute beyond recognition and to try and hold someone responsible for what the special counsel believes was misinformation contained in the 2016 company reports. Company reports are steel dossier that became part of the FBI's investigation of alleged collusion between former president Trump's campaign and Russia. Without ever having spoken to Mr. Danchenko, the special counsel isolates and manipulates truthful facts Mr. Danchenko provided to the FBI to develop the misleading narrative described in the indictment and now the SEO motion. Although the indictment is 111 paragraphs and 39 pages long and full of speaking allegations irrelevant to the charges, the special counsel actually changed Mr. Danchenko, charged Mr. Danchenko with lying about two specific events. First, the special counsel alleges that Mr. Danchenko lied about whether he had spoken with Charles Dolan about any specific information contained in the still dossier. Second, the special counsel alleges that Mr. Danchenko lied when he said that he received an anonymous phone call and then speculated that he believed, but was not sure, the caller could have been Sergey Million. And there's emphasis add, added right here. Let me, uh, there we go. Y'all can see that better. Nice emphasis added right here by the lawyer. These contentions are wholly without merit and the breadth, hyperbole, and circular reasoning that define both the indictment and the SEO motion, including extensive but unnecessary references to the political affiliations of various uncharged individuals, fall short of salvaging the unsupported charged conduct. And we have a footnote here. Mr. Danchenko reiterates and incorporates by reference the facts and arguments in his pending motion to dismiss. Okay, they're referencing their motion to dismiss, which the judge has still not ruled on. The special counsel correctly notes that considering the precise and narrow scope of the false statements charges, quote, a jury will have to decide only whether the defendant knowingly and willfully made materially false statements to the FBI regarding his sourcing for information reflected in the Steele reports. Nothing more, nothing less, end quote. 
SEO motion at paragraph 34. However, in a transparent attempt to confuse the issues, prejudice Mr. Denchenko, and mislead the jury, the special counsel now seeks to inject other irrelevant people, conduct, and issues into this straightforward trial. These extraneous people, conduct, and issues have nothing to do with the false statements charged the special counsel that he, the special counsel actually brought against Mr. Danchenko. In its effort to cloud the issues actually before the jury, the special counsel strains the rules of evidence beyond their breaking point in an unnecessary, impermissible attempt to make this case about more than it is. Okay, I agree with that. <laughs> John Durham is making this case about more than just Danchenko lying about these two things. That is, that is a true statement, and, <laughs> and I'm glad he is. Mr. Danchenko respectfully asked this court to enforce the clear limitations limitations on admissible evidence to ensure that the jury focuses on only the relevant issue, whether Mr. Danchenko made materially false statements to the FBI about two events as charged in counts one through five of the indictment. They want, they want the judge to tell Durham, tighten it up. No more 50 page filings, no more 30 page filings that could be 10. For the reasons detailed below, Mr. Danchenko respectfully requests that this court deny the special counsel's motion in limine. First, the proffered evidence is wholly irrelevant to the actual false statements charged in the indictment. Second, the proffered evidence of certain acts and statements is inadmissible character evidence pursuant to Federal Rule of Evidence 404B because the special counsel is improperly attempting to use the information to prove propensity or disposition. Third, much of the proffered evidence is inadmissible hearsay. Fourth, admission of the proffered evidence will lead to an unnecessary, unnecessarily protracted, confusing, and complicated trial within a trial. I can, I can definitely see how there's a trial within a trial happening here. Fifth, the proffered evidence is similarly inadmissible pursuant to Federal Rule of Evidence 403 because any probative value it substantially is, is substantially outweighed by the risk of prejudice, confusion, and delay. Each category of evidence is briefly summarized here and addressed fully in turn below. One, uncharged but purportedly false statements by Mr. Danchenko to the FBI reflecting Donald Trump's alleged salacious sexual activity in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Moscow. These purported statements are immaterial, irrelevant, and impermissible character evidence. Two, uncharged but purportedly false statements by Mr. Danchenko that he never informed friends, associates, and or other sources that he worked for Orbis or Christopher Steele. These purported statements are immaterial, irrelevant, and impermissible character evidence. I doubt it. Three, a February 24th, 2016 email from Mr. Danchenko to Sink Sidar. This email is immaterial, irrelevant, and impermissible character evidence. Four, emails from Sergey Million to Dmitry Zlodarev. 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 That's a really hard Russian name to say. Zlodarev, which are irrelevant and hearsay. Five, statements by Christopher Steele to the FBI. These statements are inadmissible testimonial evidence and hearsay and ignore Mr. Danchenko's Sixth Amendment right to confront his accuser. Six, the fact of the prior counterintelligence investigation of Mr. Danchenko should be admitted. 
Seven, the court should permit Mr. Danchenko to introduce evidence and argument concerning independently relevant matters like witness credibility, bias, motive, or investigative tactics. Yeah, Dandy St. Cloud. Durham Durham is using these filings as his, his bully pulpit. The federal rules of evidence, quote, should be construed so as to administer every proceeding fairly, every proceeding fairly, eliminate unjustifiable expense and delay, and promote the development of evidence law to the end of ascertaining the truth and securing a just determination. Accordingly, this court has broad discretion to admit or exclude evidence. Indeed, a trial court can exclude even relevant evidence where the, quote, probative value is substantially outweighed by a danger of unfairly prejudiced Unfair prejudice, confusing, confusing the issues, misleading the jury, undue delay, wasting time, or needlessly, needlessly presenting cumulative evidence. Evidence is only relevant, however, when it tends to make a legally consequential fact, a fact that is of consequence in determining the action. In any false statements prosecution pursuant to 18 U.S.C. 1001, the government must prove that the defendant knowingly and willingly made a false statement, a material statement in a matter within the jurisdiction of a department of the United States. My comments. Durham knows this. Of course. And I believe that the only way that Durham can prove Danchenko knowingly and willingly made a false statement is that Durham can prove that Danchenko knew who he was on the phone with. And Danchenko knew that he had told others about his relationship with Charles Dolan and Christopher Steele slash Orbis Business Intelligence. I think Durham has evidence that proves this. And I think one of the ways he has evidence of it is I think he knows exactly who was on that phone call and Danchenko, it was a, a voice very familiar with Danchenko. So when Danchenko said it sounded like it could have been Sergey Million, or I assumed it was Sergey Million, or I believed it to be Sergey Million, Durham can prove that Danchenko would not have believed that because he knew who it was on the other, other end of that phone. For each alleged false statement, the special counsel must prove that the statement itself is material. A statement is material if it has a natural tendency to influence or is capable of influencing a particular decision of the agency to which it is addressed. A statement is not material if it is merely a general interest to the government. Rather, the statement must be capable of influencing a particular government decision. The government must prove every element of an alleged crime beyond a reasonable doubt. the existence of every fact necessary to constitute crime of charge. Accordingly, for each count alleged in the indictment, the special counsel must prove that each alleged false statement considered independently is material because it had the tendency or capability to influence a specific government decision. I believe he can do that, even though they're going to argue here that they he can't. Um, I believe he can. The pretrial process is designed to ensure that the parties and the court are prepared to efficiently litigate a case, not to create an evidentiary sideshow. They want to avoid Durham showing more evidence and educating the public on the crimes committed by this in this conspiracy.
they really want the judge to limit Durham being able to tell the story of the crime of the century. The spurious and superfluous evidence proffered by the special counsel in the motions in limine is immaterial to only relevant questions here. One, whether Mr. Danchenko made false statements. Two, whether each alleged false statement when analyzed independently is material because it had the tendency or capability to influence specific government decision. Further, for the reasons below, admitting the irrelevant evidence proffered by the government will only serve to unnecessarily and impermissibly complicate, confuse, and delay the trial in this matter. One, the special counsel cannot establish any basis to admit irrelevant character evidence. One, quote, revered and longstanding policy, end quote, in our criminal justice system is that an accused is tried for what he did, not who he is. Therefore, the general prohibition against admitting character evidence in rule, Federal Rule of Evidence 404B, quote, protects against juries trying defendants for prior acts rather than charged acts. Character evidence often offers only, quote, slight probative value and may be very prejudicial. It tends to distract the trier of fact from the main question of what actually happened. It subtly permits the trier of fact to reward the good man and to punish the bad man because of their respective characters, despite what the evidence in the case actually shows actually happened. And then we have some court cases cited to make that point, but I'm sure we all understand that point. Accordingly, Federal Rule of Evidence 404B prohibits introducing evidence of a prior crime, wrong, or act as evidence of a person's bad character to show that on a particular occasion the person acted in accordance with the character. This prohibition is not based on that on the notion that character is irrelevant or, on the contrary, it is said to weigh too much with the jury and to so overpersuade them as to prejudge one with bad general record and deny him a fair opportunity to defend against a particular charge. To protect defendants from the risk of prejudice associated with character evidence, the government bears the burden to prove that the prior bad act is admissible for a, quote, proper non-propensity purpose, such as to prove, quote, motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, absence of mistake, or lack of accident. To satisfy this burden, the government must prove that the evidence is, quote, relevant to an issue, such as an element of an offense, and not to establish the general character of the defendant. The government must also demonstrate that evidence is necessary in the sense that it is probative of an essential claim or element of the offense, that the evidence is reliable, and that the probative value not substantially outweighed by confusion or unfairly prejudice the jury. Okay. They want to say that this 404B stuff is going to prejudice the jury and isn't relevant to what the charges are. It's not material. We'll see. Durham has a response to this, and we'll see. The government must identify each proper purpose for which it will use the other act's evidence and explain how the evidence, quote, fits into a chain of inferences a chain that connects the evidence to each proper purpose, no link of which is per forbidden propensity inference. Even if the government provides a proper purpose for admitting prior bad act evidence, such evidence is still inadmissible if it is likely prejudicial, is a likely prejudicial effect substantially outweighs its probative value. The government must satisfy a four-step test for this. First, the evidence must be relevant to an issue. 
such as the element of an offense. The act must be necessary in the sense that it is probative of an essential claim or an element of the offense. Third, the evidence must be reliable. Fourth, the probative value must not be substantially outweighed by confusion or unfair prejudice. In contrast, evidence of other acts cannot be offered merely to provide context. Other acts are only direct evidence of the charged offense where the acts are, quote, inextricably intertwined, or both acts are part of the single criminal episode, or the other acts were necessary preliminaries to the crime charged. I think that right there is where Durham can get some of this stuff in, is that these are all part of a continuation of the crime. For the reasons detailed below, the other acts and statements proffered by the government here are not direct evidence of any false statement alleged in the indictment. Instead, the evidence of other acts and statements is irrelevant, unduly prejudicial, and confusing. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Now we got to talk about Moscow Ritz-Carlton. Section 1B of the special counsel's motion purports to be about introducing Mr. Danchenko's statements to the FBI regarding the source of the dossier's explosive claim about former President Trump's alleged salacious activity at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Moscow. The special counsel argues that the evidence should be admissible under the following theories. One, as direct evidence of Mr. Danchenko's alleged, quote, efforts to fabricate and misattribute information reflected in the Steele reports and provide important factual context regarding the two individuals, Charles Dolan and Sergey Million, who are the subjects of the defendant's false statements to the FBI. Two, as direct evidence of materiality and an alternative as evidence of Mr. Denchenko's quote, intent, preparation, knowledge, common scheme or plan and absence of mistake under rule 404B. Allowing the special counsel to introduce this prejudicial, immaterial, irrelevant, and impermissible evidence would create a sideshow that would without a doubt overshadow the entire case. Yeah, I don't... I don't know about that. The special counsel's motion misrepresents the facts. As an initial matter, the special counsel's motion strikingly misrepresents the facts while section 1B purports to be about Mr. Danchenko's statements to the FBI as the special counsel is well aware. Mr. Danchenko never told the FBI that his source for the information about former President Trump's alleged salacious act sexual activity in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel was Sergey Million, Charles Dolan, Bernd Kulin, or others. Rather, Mr. Danchenko told the FBI in January 2017 that he was told about a well-known rumor, and that's in quotes, regarding the alleged activity in early June 2016 by IV and that he had not been able to confirm the story when he later met with hotel staff. And then here we have a quote. Danchenko said that this information came partially from IV. When Danchenko asked IV in early June 2016, which would be the June trip to Russia, IV said that there was a quote, well-known story about Trump's activities in the very hotel where Danchenko was staying at the time, the Ritz-Carlton. The well-known story involved the allegation that Trump was, quote, into water sports, end quote, and had engaged in that activity, quote, in the presidential suite, end quote, at the Ritz-Carlton. In terms of whether the story was true, IV explained that people, quote, know 
but that it, quote, only becomes fact if people come forward. Ivy said that the hotel is bugged, and, quote, heaven only knows who or what has been filmed by the FSB. During a free minute, during a meeting at the Ritz-Carlton on another matter, Mr. Denchenko asked about this stuff about Trump at the hotel. His interlocutors laughed it off, stating that, quote, all kinds of things happen at that hotel. And with celebrities, one never knows what they're doing. Denchenko said that it wasn't a denial. And asking the hotel staff who were assisting Mr. Denchenko's other matter, one girl commented that, quote, anything goes at the hotel. And added that, quote, officially, we don't have prostitutes. Danchenko said that he reported Trump's unorthodox sexual activity at the Ritz at the Ritz as rumor and speculation. That's in quotes, and that he had not been able to confirm the story. January twenty. That's from the January twenty fifth, twenty seventeen FBI interview of Danchenko. Okay, this section that we I just read was, and recall that it was shortly after that. Recall that the FBI interviewed Danchenko over three days and recorded him without his knowledge, and then after this made him a confidential human source. Even though the special counsel has the above statement and is well aware that Mr. Danchenko claimed to have received this information in early June from IV, not Million or Dolan or Kulin, the special counsel's motion goes on to to feign bewilderment at how, quote, it would be impossible for Million to confirm the Ritz-Carlton allegation and other information to the defendant in June 2016 because Mr. Denchenko only received one anonymous phone call from someone that may have been million in July 2016. Therefore, the special counsel's argument is plainly disingenuous because Mr. Denchenko unambiguously and consistently told the FBI that he had never definitively spoken or met with million and that he learned the relevant information in early June 2016 from another individual and that he raised the rumors with hotel staff while he was in Moscow in June 2016. Mr. Danchenko's statements to the FBI regarding Sergey Million's potential reference in the dossier regarding the Moscow Ritz allegations were based on a request by the FBI for him to speculate as to the identity of the individual Christopher Steele referred to as Source D. Contrary to the special counsel's one-line summary of that discussion, the actual transcript shows that Mr. Danchenko did not know who Steele was referring to. Danchenko. I mean, I personally think it could be um, could be a Steele's reference to one like someone like Sergey Million. He said someone like Sergey Million. Agent one, okay, because in and that was other thing that if if the characterization of Source E, because there's also um, Source E is a senior Western member of staff at the hotel, Danchenko, uh huh, Agent one, and Source E provided an introduction. Would that also be Million? Denchenko, hmm, Agent 1, or who you think? Denchenko says, no, I don't. I don't think it's just, uh, I don't think you, I, one of um, hotel managers. Agent 1, you think Source E is? Denchenko, stuttering, somebody I met, and uh, you want you want to upset no people. You want upset no people, and I don't know who who he's referring to. Um, and I'll go check my business cards and see if I can find. Agent, uh-huh. Danchenko, you know a couple names. Danchenko, 
associated with the Ritz, Ritz in Moscow. I might find somebody, but I really don't see who Steele is referring to there. Agent one. Okay, but you you made you you think that maybe D could be million. Danchenko. Uh could. Could be referring to million or some or someone like that. Agent one, okay. Danchenko. I don't know, but the question is is who? Who was the person who organized Trump's trips to Russia? I don't know. And it's got a footnote. And the footnote says, adding to the confusion over who Steele was referring to was the fact that the dossier referred to Million as Source D and other reports that Mr. Denchenko believed was referring to his conversation with the anonymous caller in July 2016. In the report that referred the, Mos- the reference to Moscow Ritz allegations, the dossier referred to Source D as having been responsible for organizing Trump's trips to Moscow, as well as having confirmed the Moscow Ritz information. It did not make sense, and that, and that is reflected in the dialogue between Mr. Danchenko and Agent 1. Mr. Danchenko had no way of knowing whether Million was actually Source D or whether Million was providing information to Steele directly or through another source. It is also entirely possible that Steele was mistaken about the source of the information or accidentally used the same source's identifier for a different source or maybe misattributed it to Million or someone else. Regardless, Mr. Danchenko was far from definitive and was merely brainstorming with the agent about who Steele was referring to as Source D. As is evident from the transcripts, the special counsel's motion ignores Mr. Danchenko's actual statements to the FBI and instead tries to misattribute statements made by Steele in the Steele reports to Mr. Danchenko. Mr. Danchenko was never able to determine who Steele was referring to as source D and E. And he clearly never identified either source as Million or Kulin. These actual facts, let alone the distorted reality portrayed by the special counsel, cannot possibly form direct evidence of any five counts alleged in the indictment, and this evidence is also plainly impermissible under Rule 404B. Well, I would argue that they could... They could form direct evidence of any of the five counts if Durham has information from, say, emails and phone calls that reveal Danchenko did know and that he lied about it in these interviews, that Danchenko did have knowledge of these things, and he feigned not having knowledge, and he feigned brainstorming with the agent. The... uh, the lawyer here is basing everything on these transcripts. But as we know, Danchenko is charged for lying. <laughs> lying to the FBI during these interviews. So what Donald Trump, what Donald Trump did or did not do at the hotel in Moscow, and anything Dr. Mr. Danchenko allegedly said about anything he had heard Trump may have done is entirely unrelated to the specific false statements in the special counsel actually charged in the indictment. The five counts charged in the indictment have nothing to do with anything that purportedly happened at the hotel in Moscow. They want to get the hotel thing gone. They don't, they don't want this included. Okay. Moreover, the special counsel's argument that the materiality of uncharged allegedly false statements can be used as direct evidence that the charged statements were material is plainly erroneous. 
there is a very real and legally impermissible risk that a juror may improperly find that the alleged materiality of these uncharged statements somehow satisfies the materiality element for one or more of the charged statements. This risk alone is grounds for getting rid of this stuff. They don't like it. They don't want evidence related to Donald Trump's alleged sexual activity at the Ritz-Carlton, which you would kind of think they would want that because they want to prejudice the jury against Durham, perhaps. But they don't like this because it ties Danchenko to this group of people at the Ritz-Carlton who made up these lies. And uh, I think there's a very good reason why Durham wants to tie them to those people who made up these lies. Okay, skipping some of this. Okay, skipping some of this. Introduction of evidence related to Donald Trump's activity would unquestionably overshadow. Oh yeah, and they argue that it would overshadow the entire case if we start talking about urine and prostitutes. I mean, that would certainly get a lot more eyeballs on the case. So as gross as it is, I don't really mind it being discussed because it's going to get more people paying attention to this case. It's sad that that's what gets their attention, but we all know it's true. Okay. Special counsel's assertion that these uncharged statements do not reflect conduct that is more sensational, disturbing, or prejudicial. Special counsel specifically indicted Danchenko on four counts related to his equivocal and speculative statements that he believed emphasis added or was not sure and could have been those types of statements. Okay. Next section. Even if the substance of these allegations were not about a presidential candidate engaging in this activity, which it is the unfair prejudicial effect of creating a trial within a trial substantially outweighs whatever limited probative value the evidence might have. The court should allow the special counsel to present this prejudicial sideshow. Should not allow. Sorry, should not allow this the special counsel to present this prejudicial sideshow. Statements about Orbis and Steele. As it has elsewhere in its motion, the special counsel has cherry-picked portions of Mr. Danchenko's interviews where he was not questioned specifically about Dolan to support its allegations that Mr. Danchenko concealed material information from the FBI. And so, the argument goes, had the FBI known about the fact that Mr. Danchenko had revealed his work with Orbis to Dolan and others, it would have interviewed Dolan and others. The special counsel even goes so far as to argue that the FBI had known that Mr. Danchenko had attended the June 2016 conference planning trip in Moscow with Dolan. They would have learned about the information Dolan provided to Mr. Danchenko that ended up in the reports. But the special counsel ignores and conceals from this court that Mr. Danchenko was interviewed dozens of times and during the course of those interviews, particularly when asked specific questions about Dolan, which was not often, Mr. Danchenko won told the FBI about the Moscow, Moscow, Moscow trips with Dolan, two, told the FBI that Steele knew of Dolan, three, told the FBI that not only was Dolan working or doing work with Olga Galkina, but that Mr. Danchenko himself had introduced them, and four, 
told the FBI that Dolan had connections and relationships with high-level Kremlin officials, including President Putin's personal spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov. Indeed, when agents drafted a December 2017 communication in support of opening an investigation into Dolan, they included the information Mr. Danchenko provided them as support for opening that investigation. Did we just get... Is this the first we're learning of this? That the FBI investigated Charles Dolan starting in December 2017? Is this the first we've learned of this? Here's the footnote. The December communication is highly exculpatory with regard to the essential element of materiality and it is not clear why it was only produced 30 days from the start of trial. It was produced as jinx material, or jinx material, also late by the terms of the court order requiring all jinx, jinx to be produced by September 1st, but it is obviously Brady evidence. The defendant understands that the SIPA, that's the classified stuff, procedures may have slowed the production of certain categories of discovery. But given the indictment's allegations about the materiality of Mr. Danchenko's failure to attribute public information to Dolan, the production of this specific document should have been a priority for declassification. Let me scroll back up to this. When agents drafted a December 2017 communication in support of opening an investigation into Dolan. They included information Mr. Danchenko provided them as support for opening the investigation. Did we just learn who Danchenko was being paid to inform on? This is the third time Danchenko's lawyers have revealed something we they've revealed a slice of the onion that we had never we ever never ever, ever had a peek at before. Danchenko became a confidential human source earlier in 2017. And according to his own attorneys, he provided information in support of an investigation into Dolan. That seems pretty big. It goes on to say, therefore, it is simply insincere to suggest that Mr. Danchenko, his alleged failure to indicate that Dolan knew that Mr. Danchenko did not work for Orbis, did work for Orbis, sorry, did work for Orbis, frustrated any FBI investigation in light of all the information Mr. Danchenko provided to the FBI. All the information Danchenko provided to the FBI. Footnote four. With regard to Mr. Danchenko's alleged disclosure of his work for Orbis with other individuals, the special counsel never even offers any argument as to how its knowledge of those disclosures would have caused the FBI to interview those individuals. 
quote, in an effort to determine whether the information provided by the defendant was accurate, false, or a product of Russian disinformation, end quote. Moreover, it is unclear from the motion what statements the special counsel is referring to and whether after becoming aware of the disclosures, the government did what it said it would have and actually interviewed each of the individuals who may have been aware of his Orbis work generally. Hmm. I think that's pretty big right here about Dolan. Unless... Unless I've just missed this news. If anybody has heard this news before that the, the, that Dolan, that the FBI looked into investigating Dolan in December of 2017, has anybody ever heard that information before? Good morning, Diddy. Glad you're here, man. Thank you for the fleet. I think I think we just found out that at least one of the people that Danchenko was paid to inform on was Charles Dolan. Let me read just a little bit more and then I got to go. Okay. Mr. Danchenko's alleged false statements to the FBI and others about Orbis and Seal should be excluded. That's not going to happen. February 24th email from Danchenko to Sink Sidar. Special counsel seeks to admit an irrelevant 24th, 26th, 20, February 24th, 2016 email from Danchenko to Sink Sidar, in which Danchenko encouraged Sidar to emphasize the sources for information contained at Sidar Global. Blah, blah, blah. We'll see. It's, government seeks to take this email entirely out of context. Blah, blah, blah. The February 24th, 2016 email is entirely unrelated to any, any element the government will need to prove at trial. Special counsel cannot establish any basis to admit irrelevant hearsay emails. Special counsel cannot circumvent the general prohibition against hearsay. They're calling a lot of this stuff hearsay, but we'll see. Million will not testify. Mr. Danchenko did not send, receive, or know about these emails between Sergey Million and Dmitry Zlotarev. Zlotarev. Accordingly, the government attempts to shoehorn these emails into evidence through convoluted logic, claiming that these emails are not hearsay at all, or alternatively that the emails are in it are admissible pursuant to the an exception to the prohibition against hearsay. As detailed below, these emails are hearsay and not admissible. I think that Durham has included them for a very good reason. Second, in contrast to the illogical position espoused by the government, the emails are not admissible to prove Million's state of mind at the time he sent the emails. It is a big it is an issue that Million will not testify. The government concedes that the declarant Million will not testify. 
that that makes Durham's job harder, which is why it makes me reconsider Million. Whereas I had Million moved over into the victim of the criminal conspiracy category, I've now got him moved into this gray area where I'm not I'm not so sure about him. I think I think there's some things about million we haven't learned yet. Okay. Arguing about these emails. We are almost how much time I got? Really I should end the show, but we're almost done with this. I'm, re I'm scanning. I'm scanning. Accordingly, without testimony, without testimony from Million, the government cannot prove that the emails were not written strategically to promote Million's own personal interests, considering the ongoing investigation. And what they're talking about is that Sergey Million himself was under investigation. So look at look at what we've just learned in this filing. Sergey Million, right here, let me scroll up just a bit. The government offers no direct evidence to prove that Million knew when he wrote the emails or what his motivations might have been. Without testimony from Million, the government cannot prove that Million even wrote the emails, only that the emails appeared to have been written, been sent from Million's purported email address. Also, at the time the emails were purportedly sent, it was well known that there was an investigation into the Steele dossier slash company reports. Million had reason to be aware of the investigation generally and that he might have been a focus of the investigation. Indeed, Million was aware that he came under the FBI's radar, that's a quote, at least as early as November 2nd, 2016. See report of the Senate's of the Select Senate Committee on Intelligence. Accordingly, without testimony from Million, the government cannot prove that the emails were not written strategically to promote Million's own personal interest, considering the ongoing investigation. Further, these emails do not constitute evidence of a material fact. The government implicitly construes the questions about Million asking his emails an inherent admission that he did not know. Based on the foregoing, the government has not and cannot prove that the emails from Million to Zlotarev are admissible. I'd really like to know where Sergey Million is right now. And as we're reading this and we're seeing, like, look how important this is for million to be here and how it would help Durham so much. And then you go back and look and Sergey million Sergey million wanted us marshals and not the FBI to protect him. He said he won't appear at trial. He's giving love to this CNN Marshall Cohen, who is, 
very much a uh, comes off to me like a CIA marking, mockingbird media plant. I don't know, guys. Pretty great of me. Okay. This is what I got. It is time for me to go to end the show and to go pick up my kid. But I have much more. So what I want to do is I'm going to do a bonus hour tonight. I'll record it and I will put both a video version and a podcast version on my locals and on my Substack. Um, it'll be uploaded tonight. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be my plan. Now what I have left is Durham's reply to the motion to dismiss, which is pretty good. But then I also have a couple interesting threads digging into what we've learned in Danchenko's filing here. And yeah, Dwayne Cates. Yeah. That's what I've always thought is that Danchenko named a million hoping to get him in trouble. That's what I've always thought, Dwayne, but I'm starting to, um, I'm starting to reconsider that. I'm starting to reconsider that. So bonus hour tonight, guys, you don't have to be a paying subscriber. It's for all of my stuff is free, justhuman.locals.com or justhuman.substack.com. That's where I'll upload the extra or the bonus hour. Let me um, release the scratch offs over on Foxhole. Let's see. Where'd my butt go for that? Here we go. Just a moment. I've got some of my windows moved around over here. Well, where's my button to release it? Oh, am I, I may not be logged in on Pilled. Hold on just a moment. Oh yeah, I need to log in. That would help. It would be good if I logged in on, on Pilled and then I could do it. <laughs> Okay. This is a very professional show. I know Dwayne Cates is here and he's extremely impressed. That's why he's here. He he joined he joined the stream so that he could he could watch and learn. There we go. Release these scratch offs over to the Foxhole community. Thanks guys for watching on Foxhole, D Live, Twitch, Rumble. Appreciate y'all very much. And I hope you have a uh, great Monday. We'll see what else, what other kind of crazy news we get today. Um, I know that the queen is like her body is touring around and Trump got invited to go to uh, the, uh, the American side, America side uh, funeral. I don't know. If, I don't know if Trump is actually going. I think it'd be really interesting if he did.
I'd kind of I kind of like for him to go just to to watch the the others the other presidents if they show up one to see if they show up and two to watch them squirm watch them squirm because Trump is there so it'd be entertaining all right folks I gotta go gonna hit the ending music y'all have a positive day stay blessed remember we're not gonna win every battle but we are gonna win this war and we're getting so many more pieces of the Danchenko spygate conspiracy now and man the dolan thing i think is huge that's ever since i read that in this filing i've been thinking about it and thinking about what it might mean that Danchenko was informing on charles dolan huge huge surprised i haven't seen more focus on it all right i'll be back tonight with a bonus hour see y'all then